Hey, welcome to episode number 15 of Somewhat Planned Substance. How's it going? My name's Scott Mitchell. Thank you so much for listening in once again this week. There is a lot to get to. Of course, last night was the big conservative leadership uh, convention that uh, named the new leader of the Conservative Party of Canada. And there was a few things that happened surrounding that that I want to touch on because, well, I have to. It's me. So we'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on in the show. Also, uh, the forecast is out as to what we could expect for winter this year in terms of weather. And it's not great. So that is on the way. We're also going to do still the number one, looking back at the year 2009 with my buddy Tim Gavin of the Tim Gavin Show, uh, because that was uh, both when we were getting into high school and with school starting up once again here very soon, we figured we better talk about it. So that is all coming up on the show. Speaking of school starting up back soon, we are about one week out from that happening for most school divisions here in the province. And I know there are a lot of parents and even some students who are understanding what's going on with the COVID-19 pandemic who might be a little concerned, who might not want to send their kids to school. But I think, and this is from talking to my friends who have kids and even those kids for that matter, then it is time. A lot of the kids have said, you know what, I miss my friends. I miss hanging out with them and seeing them every day. I want to go back. And this isn't something that you typically hear from kids. But I think seeing as they got pretty much an extra four months off than they usually do, three, four months, that it is time. They're wanting to. And I get it. And I get that there might be a little bit of uh, nerves surrounding that. You know, the kids might want to go back, but the parents aren't quite sure. And that's why a lot of divisions are offering up solutions. I know some are doing half days with a half hour cleaning in between so that they could take some students in the morning and some in the afternoon. And that way there's social distancing. I know some are doing a few different options. One being, you know... In class, the other being teacher-led online, and then the other being independent. And there are some who are planning, I think, for every second day or something like that. And it's not like it's being forced upon anybody. If parents don't want to send their kids to class and they'd rather them stay at home and learn, uh, maybe teacher-led online, or they're going to homeschool or whatever, that is totally up to them. And But if the kids are a little bit older, maybe that's a discussion you need to have as a family, not just assume that the kids are going to be uh, wanting to do that. And you don't want to force the older kids to do anything because uh, you know that they're going to do the opposite. They're going to rebel if that's the case in some situations, right? Not all, but some. So we'll have to see how the first few days and the first few weeks of this happen. I know they have said based on how the pandemic goes and if there's a second wave and whatnot, maybe there will be a little bit more of the blended online learning kind of thing. But for now, we'll have to see how that goes for the most part. Something else that was announced over the weekend uh, that has to do with the COVID-19 pandemic is... um, some, a couple more stores are going to be uh, enforcing a mandatory mask policy. Those being both owned by Loblaws. They are superstores and no frills. Uh, so far, none of the other Loblaws brands have said that they are going to be making masks mandatory. Um, but some of the comments that I saw on social media 
about people saying, oh, well, they can't force this. Well, technically they can. And there's some people who are like, I won't be shopping there anymore. Okay, see ya. That's what I have to say to that. I don't have Superstore No Frills here in Lackalabish, but we do have uh, Your Independent Grocer, which is a Loblaws brand. So if they put this policy in effect here, it would almost be like filtering out all of the idiots at the same time. The ones who are like, oh, I'm not wearing a mask and they're just trying to make excuses as to why they can't. There are some that are legit. I'll give you that. But there are some that they're just like, oh, well, you sheeple wearing masks and stuff like that. You're you're not uh, you're just following what everybody is saying. You're not thinking for yourself. Blah, blah, blah. Media, blah, blah, blah. Yes, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> um, OK, see you later. If you don't want to wear a mask, go to a different store. It's not like it's forced upon everyone in public places at the moment in most situations. You know, places like Calgary and Edmonton who have had um, become more of hot spots in recent weeks again. Yes, it is. And I even talked to some people who have gone into Edmonton who aren't necessarily in favor of the mandatory masking, but they did it anyway. Because that's what you do. You follow the orders. You just shut up. You um, do what you're supposed to do. And it's for the good of everyone. Stop your complaining about having to wear masks. It is literally probably for at most maybe a 20 minute grocery trip. Calm down. (laughs) Uh, Winter's not going to calm down this year though. Because in case we didn't have enough of 2020, it's just got to throw another blow at us. Um, Canada's winter weather forecast has dropped and conditions are going to get pretty brutal. Yeah, Uh, there's more rain, more snow, even colder temperatures expected. So this is, of course, from the Canadian Farmers Almanac. They released their yearly weather predictions for the winter ahead. Uh, Some provinces will be spared the... Standard damp, slushy, and bitter Canadian winter. Others are supposed to get worse, like us here in Alberta, along with eastern BC, western Ontario, Manitoba, and Saskatchewan. The forecast is showing that there are much colder than normal winter temperatures up ahead, which is confusing for me because last year we had 45 degree, minus 45 degree weather for like a single straight week. My car didn't start. I had the station vehicle at home as well because I knew that started. So I I would plug both vehicles in at night. And, well, lo and behold, even with that, my vehicle didn't start. And I wasn't about to, you know, try to get it boosted and then it happened again the same night. Um, But, of course, the station vehicle works. So that got me through a few days. Uh, and when I finally got out to my vehicle, it was like three days after the battery had died. So this should be fun, said no one ever. And apparently, more snow too, which we saw a lot of last year. There was a lot of moisture in general between the rain and the snow in the last 15 months. I'm kind of getting tired of it. Just I know it doesn't feel like winter and stuff like that if there's no snow on the ground, but can we be spared just a little bit? That's all I'm asking for. Uh, And it's really going to 
push into early winter in 2021 as well. So in case you thought that maybe things are going to get a little bit better come start of next year, you're wrong, unfortunately. Okay, we're going to take a break for still the number one with my buddy Tim Gavin of The Tim Gavin Show going back to 2009. That is coming up here in just a moment. And then when we come back, we are going to talk about the conservative leadership race and the leader finally getting announced yesterday and the issues surrounding that. And there's a few. Stick around on Some With Land Substance. This was a chart that really kind of surprised me looking back on it. It was like, where where were you in 2009? Were you in junior high or high school? Uh, I would have been oh, going into grade nine when this came out. Yeah, and I was yeah going going into grade nine. Uh, so down where I went to school in Medicine Hat, uh, we were actually the last batch of grade nines that were a part of the high school still. So we got to be freshmen for two years in a row. Oh, nice! <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, this was right when what I was starting you? high school as well. So going through this list, it has been very nostalgic and also really neat seeing what was on the charts given what we know now yes so uh rolling through the top 10 first as we usually do on still the number one number 10 pitbull with hotel room service that song which is is it's it's not aged as well as some of his other songs um it's now getting a little bit of its own comeback thanks to tiktok wait really Yes, like there's a few songs from the past, uh, from the 2000s that are now getting their own little comeback. Thank you to that platform. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, Number nine, Cobra Starship and Leighton Meester with Good Girls Go Bad. I have so much nostalgia for not only this song, but this kind of music in general. Like I've always kind of lumped Cobra Starship in with Kesha and LMFAO, that kind of like sleazy party yeah. rock kind of music. I just I have so much nostalgia for it, and I hope that sound makes a little bit of a nostalgic comeback in the future because it's just so catchy and fun, right? And like um, I, this wasn't in rotation when we were at the radio station still, but like the odd time I would just slip it in there, and you couldn't go wrong with jamming out to it. Yeah, it's just <laughs> it, it's one of those songs that's just so much fun. Then number eight, Carrie Hilson featuring Kanye West and Neo with Knock You Down. Decent song, but I haven't heard it much. Never never really stood the test of time for that matter. Um, when you think Carrie Hilson, you automatically think of the song that she did with Timbaland. Yeah, which that song yeah. still holds up. Let's be real here. Oh, oh for yeah. sure. Uh, Jay Sean and Lil Wayne with Down at number seven. That's another song I just remember hearing everywhere. But now, you know, obviously Lil Wayne has cemented himself as a great, an all-time great in hip-hop. Jay Sean, you don't really hear too much of, though. No. No, not at all. Um, we've mentioned this guy time and time again on our podcast. Uh, he is, uh, I would say, another one of those all-time greats when it comes to hip-hop. Drake, best I ever had at number yeah, six. Yeah, and this is like one of his like first like really big radio hits. 
and it's been really neat looking at this chart, seeing all the artists that are still on the Billboard charts today, but still getting their start on, yes. at, on in, during this year. Absolutely. Uh, number five, Kings and Leon with you, somebody. Yeah, this was, gosh, I, I think the biggest year for Kings of Leon. That album was just like oh, everywhere. Absolutely. That and it was uh, like you somebody's a great song. It is. That whole album is great. I'm I'm actually kind of embarrassed that I don't have a vinyl copy yet because I like every song off of that album. Uh you mentioned artists kind of getting their start. This was a few years into her career, but Taylor Swift, you belong with me at number 4. Yeah, like this is like when pop music really started picking up on what Taylor Swift was putting out there. And she was still releasing like two versions, like the the pop version and the stripped down country acoustic version. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes taking the outlying approach works. And in this case, it really did, because, again, this song just got huge everywhere. Uh, Number three, Jay-Z, Rihanna and Kanye West with Run This Town. All icons. But again, you don't really hear this song too much, but it's amazing seeing that jump on the charts like. Yeah, it was the biggest jump of the week. It uh, was uh, going up 63 spots to number three. I can't even think of a song these days that would make a jump that much. So kudos to them for for doing that. That's impressive. Uh, this one debuting at number two this week, Miley Cyrus Party in the USA. Still hot off that Hannah Montana fame, too. And I think that is, like, again, another big reason why it got big. But at the same time, it is a catchy song. It's one of those Miley Cyrus songs that I really dig. This is, uh, and the number one song was still when the Black Eyed Peas were good. I got a feeling. I'd argue that this is like the last time that they were good too, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> at the time, this new stuff they were releasing is uh, it's like what is going on with Black Eyed Peas, and maybe it's because there's no Fergie yeah. on this last album, but still, yeah. Let's be real here. Fergie is like really the only time that the Black Eyed Peas were popular. I mean, their new stuff is getting acclaim, but like Mamacita and stuff like that is like in the top ten now. I think. Yeah, but I know without Fergie, it's just it, it, it's not the same. But how did you feel about this song when it first came up? Because my opinion has changed dramatically on it. I think when it, and this might be uh, along similar mindsets, I think when it was first released, it was one of those ones that was super overplayed. And so you kind of got tired of it after a while. And now it's like whenever you hear that song, you're like, okay, this is like one of those good party songs, like a feel good, like you want to hear it going into a weekend, stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a great Friday song. And yeah, I, I I agree with you there. This song back in 2009 was the definition of overplayed. Like you could not go, I think more than a couple hours without hearing that song. It would be similar to like blinding lights or roses today. Exactly. But I'd say even more so. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it is impressive what the black eyed peas managed to do with that. Like, have two number one songs in a row over the course of over half a year. I think, yeah, I think it was half a year exactly, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because it was 12 weeks with Boom Boom Pow, and then I Got a Feeling comes into the chart, and it rises up to number one. It was like 13 weeks. Yeah, 14 weeks. So, just 
insanity, but good on them for that, I guess. Yeah. Now that's a that's a feat that we will probably never see in our lifetime. I don't know. Never say never. I I feel like there are a few artists that have come close, like uh, Ronnie Rich. He is like the only artist that's had two number one singles for multiple weeks this year. So I think you know if he keeps having this the same success, it could happen. And you can again thank TikTok for that one. <laughs> Basically, uh, some other uh, great songs that are on this. Uh, she will from Shakira at number twelve. Oh yeah, that's a great song. That's a jam. It is, but you know most of the, most of Shakira stuff is you know it, it, it's a decent jam. Like even some of her deep cuts, I'd say are pretty good. Like if you haven't like given Shakira too much of a chance, like if all you've heard is hips don't lie. Check out the rest of her songs. And you They're know, good. the uh, the halftime show at the Super Bowl this year that she did with J-Lo was actually like probably one of the better halftime shows we've seen in the last decade. Right? The rest of them just been so boring. Right? Yeah, we can agree with that. Totally. Katy Perry was uh, waking up in Vegas, but falling on the charts uh, down to 14 this week. Yeah, that song's still doing pretty good. Uh, Sean Kingston also, you know, doing pretty good on the charts, but falling down a little bit with Fire Burning. Yeah. That's another song I remember just being so overplayed that year. And now we never hear it anymore. Like you hear it like maybe once every couple of months at the most. Yeah. Um, And like more like like once every six months. Yeah. Depending on when you're listening. Exactly. Um, and then uh, the former number one that we did mention from the Black Eyed Peas, Boom Boom Pow, was still at 15 this week. Yeah, still doing fairly well. And I think it would be still quite a while before it would completely drop out of the charts. Um, we also got Lady Gaga with Love Game again. You know, at this point, still relatively well established, but this was still, I'd say, a pretty big success for her. Early on in her career still at that point. Um this is kind of late on in her career. Jordan Sparks and Battlefield. <laughs> she didn't have much of a career. Yeah, not really. Like she had Tattoo and another one. And yeah, there was maybe one other. Yeah, you know, she still had some good stuff. I like it for sure. Uh, number eighteen, Pitbull, and I know y'all won't may. Yeah, th- this was another one that I would say was kind of overplayed in two thousand and nine. And now again, you don't hear it that much. <laughs> I know, but when it does come on, you're like, oh, finally some good Pitbull. And you're just like, uno, dos, tres, otro. <laughs> you just have to do that part along with it. You have to. Yeah. I mean, Pitbull, he may not be the best rapper, but he he puts out some fun songs. He he does he does his job just fine. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And then Mario was right underneath that with Gucci Mane and Sean Garrett in Breakup. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember that song in the slightest. Nope. nope. Somehow it was at number 19 that week, though. Yeah. And also, speaking of songs that nobody has heard of in a while, Disney's Friends for Change, Send It On. I don't remember hearing that anywhere. And again, somehow it debuted this week at number 20. Probably dropped off pretty quick, too. I would assume so. Yeah. Probably and then, assumption. just like every other chart... You got your one country hit. <laughs> Jason Aldean. <laughs> Big Green Tractor, number 21 on the Billboard Hot 100. And that's probably because it was like number one on the country charts for so long. And then somehow other people just started listening to it. And it, well, maybe it was because the Rednecks love their John Deere's. 
That's true. <laughs> I mean, it is an iconic look. For sure. Um, and then uh, Linkin Park New Divide was at number 24. Uh, that was another really overplayed one. It was like, it was huge on rock stations because that's that's what I listened to at the time. And that is one song that I could not escape. And this is coming from somebody other. who, and that's coming from somebody who doesn't mind listening to Linkin Park. Yeah, but New Divide, I think, I don't think it was one of their better songs. And I'm glad that it was only on the Transformers soundtrack because I, I feel like it doesn't like hold up at, with the rest of their album cuts around that time. And then Daughtry was in at 25 with no surprise. Yep. Post grunge making its last stand with Daughtry. <laughs> yep. And that was basically the last we heard from Daughtry. I was actually listening a few years ago to uh, some friends of mine were doing uh, a podcast and I can't remember how the conversation came up, but it was um, they brought up Daughtry or no, they brought up Chris Daughtry and somebody said, who? And they just responded with Daughtry. They're like, oh, <laughs> like, how could you not get that out of that? Yeah. Also, I think it's hilarious because Chris Daughtry is I think he's one of the few people to become a runner up on two different singing competitions. Oh, right. Yeah. First with American Idol. And then I think just last year with the Masked Singer. It's crazy, crazy. Um, and I could totally just like see him. His comeback will be as a judge for a TV singing show. Probably. I could see that, but still like getting runner up in two shows that is, I'd say that's pretty impressive in its own way. I will, I will not like say that as a fault. I'd say that's, that's a feat for him. I got it. He'll come back on like America's got talent. Yes, <laughs> that's the one he'll come back on. <laughs> yeah, and he'll like he'll perform one song that gets like highlighted during the show and gets like advertised like, oh, pick up this single now from Daughtry. Yeah, exactly. Uh, number 26 was, was Pink's Please Don't Leave Me. Yeah, great year for Pink in her music career. Not so much in her personal life. No, no, not really. Yeah. And but, she made sure we all knew about it. Yeah, but things worked out. They got back together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Green Day, 21 Guns. Not Another... my favorite Green Day song. Yeah, yeah. But I'd say I'd say it's the last decent Green Day song, though. I can agree with that one. Yeah, and like, I, I, I say this as someone who has listened to the newer Green Day albums after 20, 21st Century Breakdown. They're not good anymore. Uh, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. Like, I, ha I, have you I, heard I, Father I, of All? I haven't, and I don't want to. I think I'm good with living my um, my past life enjoying Green Day. <laughs> Probably the best route, not going to lie. That's like, normally I'd tell you to open up your mind to to like older bands with their newer stuff. Not in this case, no. Number 29 was Jason Mraz and I'm Yours. Uh, I This is one song that I hated back then, but now I actually love this song. <laughs> I mean, I love it, how laid back it is. I, I think it is also that nostalgic feeling every time it comes on, right? Yeah. And Miley Cyrus at the climb at number 30. Yeah, and weirdly enough, like this is this is a song I'm surprised has gotten like repeat airplay. Because, like, there, there are a few times over the past couple of years where I heard it fairly regularly when we were at work. And 
like there was all because this was also one of the releases that she did on the country charts. Yeah. So like I remember probably a couple of years ago, I think it was when we when I made the decision to add it into the rotation, Uh, like right after I did that, I was hearing it on like country stations in the city again. I was like, what is going on? (laughs) Yeah, just uh, Miley Cyrus making a random comeback in places. But, you know, it's it's a decent song. I like it well enough for sure uh and then there's your country again darius rucker number 34 with all right which is all right but it's no wagon wheel oh that was bad that was bad thank you but that's also one that you do still hear these days is all right oh absolutely and darius rucker he's like one of the few rockers turned country artists that I really appreciate them going in that direction. I think they're actually like all the better for it. Cause I mean, you could kind of hear that a little bit with Hootie and the Blowfish. So I think like him going full country was the next logical step. And then this one, um, can't remember which in between matchbox 20 sessions this was, but number 35, Rob Thomas and her diamonds. Yeah, that was it, it's not my favorite Rob no. Thomas solo song, but you know, it's it's decent enough. Oh, want to go back up to uh, number 31, 303 with well, their This is a throwback. <laughs> oh my god, don't trust me. I I again, it's another one of those nostalgic things for me. Uh, again, with that kind of party rock, sleazy pop music kind of sound, 303 really doing it great. And I don't know. Do you think it's fair to call 303 one hit wonders? No, no, because there was like, I would say three songs that they had that made it top 40. Yeah, there was this one. It was Starstruck. Yeah, Starstruck, too. That And that was when, like, helped launch Katy Perry a little bit yeah, more, too. Totally. So, yeah, not fair to call them one hit wonders. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely uh, solid three hitter. Yeah, number 37, uh, Beyonce was dropping down the charts with uh, Halo. I can't believe that song is like from 2009. I thought it was like newer than that, but nope. I know, right? But uh, Still decent, though. Yeah, and I- I'd say it's one of Beyonce's best songs. Uh, also, uh, number 38, this is a great song, Shine Down, Second Chance. Ah, yes, Shine Down. I I like this song. It, it it was another one of those rock songs that was really overplayed when it first came out, but I liked it well enough. I, I still dig it. I'll put it on. I like Shine Down. Oh, for sure. And you can't yeah. help but belt it out with them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Number 39, Lady Gaga was there again with Poker Face. Yeah, another huge hit for her. And was number one at one point. Now falling down a little bit, but... At that point, it was on the charts for a while, too. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, like 35 weeks. That is impressive in its own right. Uh, Billy Currington, People Are Crazy, in at number 41. Uh, the funny story I have about this song. Mm-hmm. Um, back a few years ago, I was emceeing the music festival up here in Laclabish, and one of the kids had uh, used the song, performed it and whatnot. And like af- as I was extroing him, I was like how old are you? And I think he said he was 17. And then I, I was like, then you shouldn't know that beer is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, who hasn't like had that? Like one, si- I, that know, one I, know, I know, I know, I know. 
I just well, you're not I, I needed to, to be like funny. It there. You're only supposed to pretend you like it. I I I needed to be funny somehow. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, you know it works. Yeah. I uh, honestly think that Billy Currington could almost re-release that single right now because it feels perfect for 2020. But I mean, it's still like as somebody who was uh doing shows on country as well, that song would come up every so often in the playlist. Yeah. Yeah, so it's still getting played. Don't don't kid yourself on that one. Fair enough. Uh, number Fair enough. number forty four, the fray. Never say never. Another good song from them, the fray. I I like them well enough. I associate them with very specific memories. Like I associate them with going to church. Uh, okay. Yeah, because one of my friends who I would go to church with, he always had the fray going on in his car most of the time it was either some random some random christian band the fray and every now and then some red hot chili peppers to- tossed in there too and you would also probably hear you found me quite a bit which was at number 46 this week oh yes that was the song that we heard more often than never say <laughs> and i think that's the reason why never say never is a little higher on the chart because you don't have to hear it as much uh and then number 45 stuck in the middle there was nickelbacks if today was your last day Still pretty decent on the charts, but, you know, it was like getting to the point where, you know, people were starting to get a little more indifferent to Nickelback at this point instead of just straight up loathing them. Or <laughs> them. Yeah. Hey, like I, I've said this for years, there's really only two ways that you can go about things with Nickelback. They're a very polarizing band. You either love them or you hate them. There's yeah. no in between. Yeah, but this is a good song. This it is a great this one that was in at number 49 getting uh another little bit of a kickstart again thank you to tiktok taylor swift love story yeah and seeing like well 49 weeks on the charts Mm -hmm. again super impressive and managing to get into the top five but still a little bit more room for taylor swift to keep getting higher and higher yeah uh and yeah i can't believe it just it, it peaked at number four that was such a popular song i'm surprised that wasn't a number one yeah well it, it's kind of amazing what songs you think are big hits until you like look at the charts like i thought there were so many songs that were bigger and, and than they actually were mm-hmm. yeah like a lot of 80s one hit wonders like a, a lot of songs that i thought were like at the top of the world only did like mid chart success yeah Oh, totally. Happens all the time. Uh, Colby Calais, Fallen For You, number 53. Yeah, this is... I I don't hear that one on radio, but, you know, it, I, I like... It's probably, like, one of uh, that and um, Brighter Than The Sun are, like, her two most upbeat, summery vibe songs. Yeah, but she's good with that kind of music. Like, any time oh, when you sure. want, like, Catalina Wine Mixer music, that that's what she makes. <laughs> And didn't like didn't her dad or something produce like the rumors album? I think Maybe. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure there was a Fleetwood Mac album. You're googling Colby Calais' dad right now, aren't you? Indeed, I am. <laughs> because we are right in front of yes. Uh, let's see here, Ken Ken Calais, and yes, he actually produced Fleetwood Mac's most popular albums, not just rumors, but also Tusk. And Mirage as well. Oh, there we go. I at least had one of the three. Uh, and then uh, the dude who uh, 
who does every radio announcer's job for them. Jason Derulo. Derulo. What you say was at 54 this week. Yeah, I... I don't like that song just because I like hide and seek so much and to hear him overuse the sample. That's his thing though, is samples. And there's that new one that he's got. Well, there's out. nothing wrong with sampling, but you gotta, you gotta know how to do it right. He, he created uh, a song with, um, there's a couple other artists he collabed with. It's called Savage Love. It's out now, and it started off of a TikTok sound that was literally just and it just got, he sampled that and it became a a hit somehow. Well, isn't he like, isn't he like giving up music just to focus on TikTok now or something? But it's like he's got a a top five song now. Like what? (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's just Jason Derulo is one weird dude. He is. But I will say this, uh, he was per- he was the perfect cast member for Cats. <laughs> uh, LMFAO, one of your uh, favorite bands uh, that, that in terms of party hits and whatnot. Uh, I'm in Miami trick at number 55. Yeah, still a sign of things to come for LMFAO. And they they really milked that song a lot, too. Like if you go into streaming services, I think at least up in Canada, I've seen this on Spotify. I'm not sure if it's anywhere else. But they did a version of I'm in, I'm in Miami trick, but they did it with a whole bunch of other song of other cities, I should say. Oh, for sure. Like they had uh, I'm in Toronto. I'm in Edmonton. I'm in Calgary. Mm-hmm. I think even I'm in Hamilton. Did they just like look at the list of where their CFL teams and just took that? I think so. <laughs> Uh, number 56, the Zach Brown Band with another one of those summary songs and toes. Yeah, Zach Brown Band is always going to be one of those bands that I'm just very fond of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like every every single that they do is pretty good. They expand the sound of country music a little bit more, like just enough to make things interesting and make me want to keep coming back, but still keeping like firmly in country without it being a crossover you know what i mean that's fair that's fair i get what you're saying yeah uh number 63 the beebs one time yeah and like this is when like i think a lot of people were very it it goes back to that nickelback argument you either loved or you hated the beebs and i think i think it all depends on the era too because like I, i couldn't stand his voice back then yeah. Yeah. But, you know, as he matured and as his voice changed, I started liking it a little bit more. And now his music does absolutely nothing for me. I don't hate it. I don't like it. It's just meh. Although I will say I hate intentions. Yeah. They're, I, like, I, 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 I don't, the lyrics are so not there for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I can see where you're going with. I actually decided to listen to that whole album just once the whole way through just to see what it's like. It all sounds the same. I believe it. Uh, <laughs> I haven't even listened. I believe it. Uh, number 64, Cobra Starship making another appearance with Hot Mess. Yeah, I don't remember this track as much as, say, you know, Good Girls Go Bad or You Make Me Feel Good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's decent enough listening back to it. 
Uh, we also got Flowrider and Neo, number 65. With Beyond Another you. one that you don't hear. Yeah, you don't hear that as much. Just like you don't hear Beyonce's Sweet Dreams, which is at number 68. Yeah, and number 69, Flowrida and Nelly Furtado, Jump. Yeah, just not doing much. Last Chance, Genuine, at number 71. Whenever you hear Genuine, it's Pony. Or in yeah. those jeans. So I guess that was his last chance of chart success because you haven't really heard much from him since. Stop. <laughs> uh, theory of a Dead Man, not meant to be at number 74. I had something for that, but I lost it. Like, oh, don't. Do, I know where you're going with it. Do not. Okay. Okay, I guess that pun was not meant to be. I will just end this call now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh. But I mean, wasn't the best song off of that album. No. And let's face it, Theory of a Dead Man. Yeah, really? I would have. Really? I wouldn't have mind. They were at Extreme Mudfest. Was it last year? I'm seeing them live, but yeah, or two years ago, one of the two. But. Anyway, uh, number seventy nine, Kelly Clarkson with Already Gone. Yeah, and looks like it's going up a little bit. I like yeah. that song from her. I think it's one of her yeah, better songs. And, uh, it, it's it's still good when you hear it every so often. Um, and then this one was right before Cascada evacuated the dance floor. Uh, I, uh, took from, I, mean, I took it. I took it. Number 80, it debuted this week. That's all right. That's all right. That's good. Yeah. Well, that's another song that I, I hear everywhere. But I guess it, it wasn't like a big, huge, super duper major hit. But evacuated the dance floor. It was just, it was always there. But now you can't find it. And then number 85 was Lady Antebellum's Need You Now. Uh, that's another song that I really dig. Yeah. Yeah. And gosh, going going a little further down, you got Britney Spears. With Ray uh, Brad Paisley. Oh, and Uncle Cracker, Smile, which was, I think, the best song that he's ever done. Um, I might argue that with the cover of Drift Away. No. I mean, I like that one too. I think because but... it, I think because he still kept Dobie Gray on that one that it was that it was a good song. Yeah, yeah. But you know, in terms of like just like Uncle Cracker on his own doing like an original song, I like Smile. I, I just think it's it's just like a nice cheerful feel good song, and I really like it. And uh, number ninety four, Kelly Clarkson making another appearance with "I Do Not Hook Up." Another decent song. I'm surprised it didn't do more no you know like it uh well i mean it did uh peak at 20 so it was mid-chart success it was mid-chart success but still like i i thought it was a really good kelly clarkson song oh for sure yeah it, so yeah looking through the charts and looking back at the top i got a feeling black eyed peas do you think it's still the number one still the number one yeah, I think it's still the number one. I think one. it's I, it's better than number one now. <laughs> yes. Like it's it's kind of transcended things. It's transcended the charts. It is one of those all time great songs, and it has grown on me so much. Out of the entire list though, which one would probably be your favorite? Uh I mean probably you somebody, Kings of Leon. I was going to go for that one as well. Yeah. But you know, it's it's hard picking a favorite on this chart. Like, there's there's actually a lot of really good stuff on this one. So much nostalgia from when we were going into high school.
Yes. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't really miss. I don't really miss high school as a whole. But dancing along to those at you know, first school dance of the year, a lot of good times. All right, episode number 15 of Someone Planned Substance continues. Thanks again to my buddy Tim Gavin of The Tim Gavin Show for joining us for another episode of Still the Number One. Next week, we will be doing another music meeting, which we actually debuted on uh, episode 14 last week, where we take a look at some new music in lieu of our usual music meetings at work, which obviously currently aren't happening. All right, yesterday, we did have the conservative leadership race come to an end and man oh man were there ever issues with this so we originally were supposed to find out about four o'clock mountain time the results and they were going to go region by region and break it down a little bit further um for each ballot first second third and then things got pushed back to five thirty mountain is when they were supposed to find out And then they did a little thing at like six o'clock where they were introducing people and having Andrew Shear speak, which we're going to talk about that coming up in just a moment. And we didn't actually find out the winner until closer to 11 o'clock last night and had to go to three ballots. And they didn't break it down region by region other than for the first ballot. They were like, I think they were basically like, okay, screw that plan. Everybody's tired and wants to go home because by that point it was 1 a.m. in Ottawa where this was happening. And it was all because the machine that they were using to cut open the security envelopes where the mail-in ballots were put into actually damaged some of the ballots. What? You would think, okay, first of all, you would think you would do some sort of dry run with this. If that was the case, just test the machines out, make sure things like that aren't going to happen. Secondly, what happened to the good old, like, letter opener? Why why couldn't they just use those? At least it would be a less chance of that happening. I know it's probably not as quick, but when you have numerous people who are working on something like this, you could probably still get it done pretty quick. Just saying. So that was the delay because they actually had to physically reproduce some of the ballots, and it was into the thousands of ballots uh, under the watchful eye of the scrutineers for each campaign. And... I, it's, it was just baffling to me how they could let something like that happen and how they wouldn't necessarily realize that after the first, you know, few. Instead, nope, uh, there was a whole bunch. Don't know why. That's uh, a mystery to be known how nobody caught that sooner. But man, oh man. It's supposed to be rage against the machine, not machine raging against you. <laughs> um... The other thing I wanted to touch on, as I did mention, Andrew Scheer, and in his final speech as the leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, did um, did some weird things. I didn't know what I was listening to at first, and some of the things that he was saying, like he was comparing what was going on to like the Berlin Wall and stuff like that. And actually, I had... Um, Tim, who you just heard from 
on still the number one he actually had sent. This was something that somebody posted on Reddit. And it basically sums it up. Uh, Andrew Scheer finished off his leadership in a speech where he directly compared the Liberal Party's policies with the Soviet Union and other communist countries. He went on about this for the majority of his speech, declaring that conservatives are the only party that cares about freedom and the free market. He attacked the modern education system as being biased towards Marxism and then topped it all off by telling Canadians to disavow all mainstream media and instead get their news from things like True North and Post Millennial, both of which are far-right websites that are currently peddling the COVID-19 pandemic as a conspiracy. It goes on for a little bit more, but that was the basis of what actually happened in Shear's speech. And if you don't believe me, you can certainly go look it up. It's posted online. You can certainly find that. And I was like, what is he doing? This is literally a campaign, this leadership campaign that had to be centered around using things like the mainstream media and every single network was covering it in some way, shape or form. It might not have been right on the network all the time, but they were at least running online stuff and did the most important things like the actual announcement and aired that and such. It was just mind boggling what was going on and just watching this unfold. And I'm like, what? So he basically was spouting these Trumpisms that people have been hearing for years with all oh, fake media, fake news, without actually saying that, and instead pushing people to go towards the far right website because, in his belief, he said something to the effect of, "We know the media is biased towards the left." I've said this before on previous episodes, and I know there's a very slim chance that Andrew Scheer is actually going to hear this, but sure, there are a few bad apples in the bunch, but we're not all like that. Not every single outlet is out to get the conservative party. I just want to point that out. There are still, you know, codes of ethics that we have to abide by as radio broadcasters, newspaper writers and editors, TV broadcasters, you name it. There's a code of ethics that we're kind of bound by. And, well, typically in those, media is not supposed to be biased. So uh, I, I would say that it's kind of sketchy that he would tell people to go towards those far-right websites. But at least he didn't say Rebel News. I'll give him that. <laughs> I'm actually kind of surprised that that didn't happen. The winner of last night, though, was Aaron O'Toole. Somebody who's, uh, I believe, self-described as a true blue conservative, which might not work out in his favor in eastern Canada. I know uh, they were talking on... One of the networks last night about how in the French language debate, Aaron O'Toole was the one who was speaking directly to Quebecers because he knew that's what he had to do. And it, I guess it worked out for him at the end of the day because he did win the Quebec ballot for sure. But for the most part in Eastern Canada, that whole true blue thing, it probably isn't going to work out so well unless he has those social conservatives who 
would be backing him. You know, like the Leslin Lewis's, who was in the running as well and got knocked out in the second ballot. If she, if he has people like her backing him and helping him and in his spot of power, if you will, in his inner circle, as an advisor, whatever it may be, that might work out in his favor. But I, I don't know if it's going to help otherwise. It'll certainly help in um, places like BC and Alberta and Saskatchewan and the places that are a little bit more blue. But the social conservatism, the places where that is more prominent, he's going to have to have that help for sure. All right, wrapping things up. Something I always like doing. This week in Florida. And it's funny how you get stories that you can almost guess are from Florida without reading where they took place. Well, this lady, uh, her name's Heather. She was arrested for domestic abuse. What she did was her and her husband were on their boat and they had an argument. So what did she do? Logically, she opened up the hatch, peed on him while he was sleeping below. And he alleges that she also bit him on the stomach. Um, okay. I don't know if that's some sort of new fetish or what, but uh, yikes. Um, and then there's this Herbert McClellan, and he stole 13 scratch-off lottery tickets from a convenience store in Clearwater. One of those, 30-buck winner out of all 13. So what does he do? Goes back to the same store to cash it in. Employees recognized him as the guy who had stolen tickets hours earlier. They called the police who arrested him. And let's be honest, and this is what the police department also said. Safe to say it wasn't his lucky day. But did he get the 30 bucks? Would that be his bail? <laughs> okay. That's it for episode number 15 of Someone Bland's Substance Podcast. You can find us on uh, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, Spotify, you name it, wherever you can find your favorite podcast. That's where we are. You can also follow me on social media. I'm on Facebook. You can find Scott Mitchell. And on basically other every other social media platform as at Scott Mitchell FM. Have a good week. We'll talk to you later.